Thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I'm here with Lou Weiss, who is the founder and host of the show. He's also the president of All Metals and Forge Group, an industrial supplier of open die forgings and seamless roll rings that they manufacture for the heavy industry and machinery building. If you're looking for those, go to steelforge.com. And joining us today is Ben, let me get your last name right. Ben Talbert. Correct. Ben, you are with um, a company that does search. And I, we're going to explore that because it, I think it's more than executive search. And I, one of the questions I'm going to ask you is because, you know, every company that thinks about using a search firm thinks, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> Having been through this, I know that it's an, actually an enormous savings, but Ben, welcome to the show, and why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Well, uh, thank you, Tam and Lou, for having me. Um, it's, a, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I've uh, enjoyed listening to your content and reading your, your magazine, so uh, it's fun to actually be here. But uh, yes, yeah, so Better Than Found um, is... Uh, really something that that started you know 20 years ago when I began studying as an engineer and then went to work in uh, manufacturing um, and uh, engineering design engineering and industrial construction for a 10-year career before starting into uh, recruiting for the industries that I know um, so I've been doing that now for eight years and really set out to do something a little different, have a different approach to recruiting and uh, treat it more like consulting um, and uh, really uh, getting to know the clients that I work with and understanding their, their gaps, their needs, why they're making the hire. I mean, I still think like an engineer, you know, uh, touring their processes, seeing their processes, meeting their team, um, just helps me tremendously when I'm trying to find people and then, you know, just knowing when I've, when I'm sitting across from the right people. Must be an interesting year this last year or two. It, it has been exciting. Um, uh, 2020 actually was one of, was my best year, uh, up to that point, just because I am diversified across multiple sectors of manufacturing. So when one is not doing so well, the other one seems to be uh, doing, doing very well. And I recruit in the industrial space throughout the Southeast. Um, so, uh, but in 2021, when we rebranded uh, to Better Than Found, um, yeah, our, our, our phones were ringing <laughs> and uh, volume was about, double anything we'd seen before in 2021 uh, than any previous year. And that surprised. Uh, my experience with search firms in working with clients has been the initial impression is, oh, this is going to cost me X dollars. And why don't I just do it myself? And do it myself means somebody's got to write an ad, they got to place the ad, they got to hopefully get resumes in. They got to filter through the resumes. They got to set up appointments. There's a lot of stuff you have to do to get a candidate in. And then right. you get hired. And then six months down the road, you fire them because they were bad hires. 
or right. you get sued. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the cost of making a bad hire, I've heard numbers of, you know, anywhere from 200 to 400% is the cost of making a bad hire. And that just depends on how long it takes you to figure out that they were a bad hire. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, people s seem to forget that you're still paying a salary to someone that has to do that work. And, um, you know, this is what we do for a living day in and day out. So we have uh, developed a process for evaluating talent and sourcing talent that, you know, has proven positive time and time again. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's the process that you're, that you're adding to your, your team. And that's, that's when I become, uh, that's my best company relationships are that way. When I'm, I, I develop, I'm a trusted advisor and I become part of their team just part of the hiring process. So this past uh, year, you know, we still hear people are looking for people. You can't find hire people. You can't find people. Uh, people are the great uh, resignation. People are leaving. People have decided that they're going to open up a new business uh, right. where 90% of them fail. Um, and then they come to you to get a job. Uh, it has to have been a wild and crazy period, even though you're, you, you state that you had your best years, uh, it's best years in an unusual environment. Right. Yeah. It, we referred to it as the wild west of recruiting last year. Um, and this year is proving to be much of the same, but last year was odd in that I felt like we had high demand and high supply, which I know breaks some laws or something, but um, we really weren't having trouble getting people on the phone and interested in hearing about something new. Um, the, I mean, I had a lot of executives, you know, reach out and just say, hey, I'm, I'm pretty happy, but I mean, I keep hearing about what's going on. So I just wanted to keep my ear to the ground and reach out and <laughs> stay in touch. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of people interested in making a move and yeah the great resignation kind of you know uh, the our response to the pandemic um you know cost more people their jobs than the great recession um and, and that that really caused an upheaval in the, the job market um and right now the employees or the candidates are in the driver's seat uh for the first time in, in really a long time um, so no longer are, you know, companies doing you a favor by hiring you, but they're doing, the employee is doing you a favor by, by coming to work every day and, and working for you. So it's really flipped things. And that's, it's one of the critical things that I think companies overlook is, is not keeping a good pulse on the, on the hiring market. And it, it, it's, it's a dynamic thing. It changes about every six months. So if you don't like the hiring market where they're in, just sit tight, it'll be different, you know, and technology in our industry changes very rapidly as well. So um, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things you have to keep a pulse on in, a, in an employee driven market like this, you've got to really start looking at your hiring practices and candidate experience and, and, you know, it, how are we attracting people, you know, how are we attracting these, the, the candidates that we want? 
Um, and so, so it's, it's something that a lot of companies are slow to change to. So what's your magic sauce? <laughs> well, my magic sauce is, uh, is I try to help people, <laughs> you know, whether it's a, a company that, uh, that I'm working with or, you know, a candidate and I, and I really don't sell anything on either side. So you, you approach people with, uh, you know, with that mindset, with putting their uh, best interest in mind. And I don't know, and that, that seems to, to get me to the right candidate faster. So when we call, we don't post jobs and we don't, uh, we don't pitch jobs to people that we don't know. We do targeted headhunting and we build relationships with people. We get to know what their career goals are. And, you know, by the end of our first conversation, we have, we understand what they're looking for and we know when to give them a call to let them know that we've found it or connected the dots for them. Um, that's really, for me, the fact that I've worked in the industry for now coming up on 18 years, connecting the dots and recruiting between a, a company and a, and a candidate that that's what helps me do that. Um, and that's, I've seen a lot of recruiters come and go in this industry in eight years of doing it. And that is the hardest thing to find is recruiters that get it, you know, that speak the manufacturing language that, that know what lean manufacturing is. And, you know, um, you know, I was brought up uh, at Millican and company with, uh, you know, safety uh, and operational excellence and total, uh, you know, TPM and just, trained in all of these things so that that is probably the most valuable thing that i bring to the table is just being able to have that when i'm sitting across from a candidate and evaluating them and when i'm sitting down with a company and understanding you know where are the gaps in their organization and what 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 solution or what problems are we trying to solve with making this higher um, a lot more to fit and what's going to make a candidate successful in a company than what people put on a job, a job description. So that's, uh, that's been helpful for us. Sometimes employees just disappear. Oh, there he is. He's back. Okay. Dropped out. Sometimes like, employees disappear. Just disappear. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, you're out looking for, um, uh, a company who's looking for to hire. Uh, I'm a manufacturing company. Um, I need three engineers. I need a couple of lathe operators and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know this company because you've already talked to him, pitched him or not pitched him. Um, and what I'm missing is where do you find the people, the candidates? Right. Okay. You want to really know the secret sauce. I do. Okay. <laughs> well, so that, that's a, that's a, uh, combination of tools. So we, we have the, the sourcing tools, we would call that sourcing candidates. That's kind of that end of our business. The sourcing tools that we have available to us today are, are phenomenal. And, and they search through, you know, the, 500 to 600 million, you know, 
records on the internet to to find people just through a computer you know through doing a search that way um there's technology that, that automates that search uh and will produce a, a list of candidates for you um but um but but i i find that you know i can get to a candidate faster obviously by reaching out to someone in my network that knows you know that's in that area of expertise and I can usually get pointed to the right candidate faster than than most. Now, that's harder to do when I'm, you know, recruiting for a West Coast sales rep for one of my clients that's based here in the Southeast. Um, but and that's where the traditional, you know, the software that we're using, the sourcing tools that we have, um, are there. But when you have that list, it's, what do you do with that list? You know, recruiting is a very transactional industry and um, a lot of smiling and dialing going on and pitching people jobs. And I, I just, I never appreciated that approach when I was on the other side of the desk. So um, I think a lot of recruiting firms ignore candidate experience to their own detriment. Um, but I don't know if that, I know that was, that's about as, specific as I could probably get, but, um, you know, so, I mean, we network with professionals and hiring managers, decision makers for a living. So we live in the, the markets that we recruit for, and that helps us get to the, get to the people we're looking for much faster. And then we have those sourcing tools and software that, that help us find the right people as well. Do you know what your uh, retention rate is? I can't quote you that off the top of my head. Um, it's a very good question. Um, it, you know, I, I think, um, I mean, I would say it's very good. It's, I was trying to remember what it was giving me pause. I was trying to remember the last candidate that did not work out with a, with a company. So it's been a while, it's been a while. Um, since that has happened. Ben, I'm just curious, are you industry specific or targeted on a series of industries or are you broad based? Just wonder. So I would, in the recruiting world, I'd probably be considered somewhat of a generalist, um, it, but um, I recruit in the industrial sectors and it's, it's professional and executive level recruiting. So we're not doing staffing or hourly positions. Um, although we have a lot of conversations with our manufacturing clients because they have a uh, they have a lot of struggles in that area, um, but we we are doing direct hire, some contract uh, recruiting for um, really salaried professionals from operations to anything that would touch a manufacturing operation, HR, finance, sales, product development, R and D. Uh, into the C-suite uh, positions as well. Um, and then recruit a lot for companies that are connected to manufacturing. So they manufacturers reps that sell equipment into manufacturing or automation uh, equipment companies. Um, really anything in that space, we, uh, we like to play ball in and our process allows us to have that flexibility because it's 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 a little bit uh 
you know, the, the guy who taught me was a little bit OCD and, and it, uh, it's a very, we've been accused of being thorough, but, um, we take a little more time on the front end to define the target and make sure that all the stakeholders have weighed in and, and we have outlined that and, you know, all sign off that, yes, this, you understand now what we're looking for, and, um, before we get going. And then, um, you know, we're, we're not the type of recruiting firm that is going to, you know, do a search in our database and throw 12 resumes over and say, what do you think? I mean, when we send in a candidate, we have a very high success rate of that candidate being interviewed. Um, if, you know, if one of our candidates that we submit is not being interviewed, we need to schedule a call and figure out, hey, what's changed or did we miss something? Because this is what we, you know, this is what we agreed we, we wanted. So we're more the snipers in the industry than uh, I think in an industry that does a lot of machine gunning. <laughs> uh, why don't you give us uh, your uh, uh, URL website and or email so that our listeners uh, might be able to reach out to you. Uh, sure, sure. Um, so the website is www.btfsearch.com. That's Bravo Tango Foxtrot Search.com. Yeah, military guy. <laughs> hey, we, we, uh, we try to help the transitioning military guys as, as much as we can. Um, that's not an easy transition to make for sure. No doubt. No doubt. So I read that you have a affinity for the textile world. Yeah. You know, textiles, uh, it's really been in my family for as far back as my mother can trace. Um, and, uh, I have a lot of paraphernalia in the office sitting around from, from, uh, manufacturing plants, some, some from, uh, plants that uh, some of my clients, the guys running the companies that I recruit for that they've, they've worked in. So it's a, it is a tight knit sandbox of people. Uh, and I studied textile engineering at NC state minored in industrial engineering. Um, and so it, it's one of those industries that once it's in your blood, it's kind of, kind of hard to get out. So um, do, do a, decent amount of recruiting in the textile industry, but um, also stay diversified um, and enjoy doing that. And in modern manufacturing, how much of a shift has occurred that needs candidates who are more skilled, more knowledgeable, maybe even that four-year degree, than it used to be the blue-collar world of 50 or 70 years ago? So, so if I understand your question, you're, you were, you're asking how, how much manufacturing has moved to really needing advanced skilled labor to operate the processes and equipment. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not looking for stats. I'm just looking for your experience right. talking to candidates. Right. I mean, I, I would say it's, I'd say there's still a good mix of, of manufacturing needs out there for people that are, you know, obviously highly skilled and mechatronics and, 
you know, can, can, uh, operate certain very specific equipment. And then, and then there's still a, a good deal of unskilled positions as well. Unskilled, probably not the right terminology, but, um, I mean, there, there, there are companies that will, <laughs> that will hire anybody that's willing to come to work <laughs> right now. And that's all over the country, not just manufacturing. I understand that. Well, there's a couple of million tradesmen coming out of Eastern Europe now who's probably looking for jobs. You know, the, uh, the immigration yeah. issue uh, would solve some of the problems that perhaps exist today in this country. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's... That's one of the things. I mean, when we talk to manufacturers and, and kind of solicit them, labor labor shortages are a huge thing. Um, and, and then they're asking questions like, "How do we how do we get how do we motivate the workforce again? How do we get a motivated workforce?" Um, and I think that's a that's a that's an interesting question to to ask, and it's a problem that that people are having. They're having a lot of turnover of young professionals. Um, and then of course, supply chain issues now, but, um, to me, solving the labor issues, really, there's only three, three ways to do that. I mean, you can automate and, and reduce your need for labor, which I, I think you should be looking at that. Um, uh, although, you know, people that automate equipment, they're also strapped for people. Um, so it, it's, uh, be interested to see lead times on delivery for that automated equipment um, or finding alternate sources for a motivated workforce. If you think this workforce that you have is not motivated, you got to get creative. And uh, immigration laws is one of those things that, that you know, you, we ought to tackle. I mean, there's, pe there's people trying to get in this country every day that want to work. So we're not doing a good job of, of, taking advantage of that and having good processes and systems in place to get them in our manufacturing plants. Um, I would love to, love to see motivated uh, Ukrainians, you know, in our manufacturing plants. They need help and we need jobs. We just have to connect those. Um, you know, another niche of people that you could find that are motivated to work are, are some of those niche groups that have been disenfranchised by, you know, society, the people maybe coming out of uh, a prison sentence or, or, um, or, or something like that, that, that have a real hard time getting, getting a job. There are programs like uh, Jumpstart that we have here in uh, South Carolina that, that, uh, that are programs designed to do that, to help these people get back to work, get on their feet. And, um, so that's a that's a people group that really wants to get back to work. So, um, you know, Tim and I uh, had a couple of shows a couple of years ago uh, about the prison uh, situation and uh, uh, the ex uh, ex prisoners coming out into the workplace and. I talked about uh, immigration and so on and so forth. And we don't, we try not to do this, but it's almost impossible. It's hard to talk about these kinds of things without talking about politics because the 
the politicians, Washington, they're not doing their jobs. They're doing things like, if I'm an ex-con, okay, that goes on my driver's license. So now I can't get a job. Right. Who wants to hire an ex-con who did shoplifting? Um, the business with the immigration laws, terrible, terrible. I mean, this country became great for what it is because of immigration 120 years ago. And now we're doing everything that we can to keep them out or mm. warehouse them down on the southern border. So, like I said, I don't want to talk politics because I only get in trouble. But right. you kind of get the gist of where I'm going with that. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not a problem we'll solve here, but it, it, it's something that... Uh, it's something that, I mean, our, our lawmakers need to hear our voices on uh, for sure. I mean, the, the other thing, I mean, so that you got automate, you know, find alternate sources. And this to me is a, is a big one, but our, our manufacturing companies need to begin to transform um, really their organizations. I mean, the, the young, our culture has, changed faster than employment employers can keep up and the way that they have been taught the the world that they've grown up in is not the world we have in manufacturing and we are ripe for some very major organizational change um and and in this market this hiring market where employees have that it's even more motivation to begin focusing on those things and our manufacturing companies, you know, when I was brought up, it was the customer, you know, everything was the customer, the customer. And obviously that's important. You can't do away with that, but you got to focus on caring for your people and you've got to become a company where people want to be. And, um, and, you know, if you're going to attract the best talent, you have to figure out how to be an attractive company. And it sounds, you know, that's as simple as I can put it, but it's, it's a lot more complex than that. But to do that, I mean, you have to, you, you have to think of your employees as, as a relationship and you have to have regular conversations with them um, and understand what their needs are, what their worries are and what their dreams are, how you can become more of a, you know, of an advocate to helping your employees succeed. And, and, you know, I think the companies that can begin to do that and they're, they're, you know, I was, I've been doing some research and there are companies out there that have really started to transform really their HR departments. Um, they've taken the, uh, the mission statement from their customer service team and made that the mission statement for their HR department and began treating their employees like they would treat their customers and helping them solve whatever their individual problems are because we have five generations of worker in the in the workforce today in manufacturing everyone has different needs and um you know I, we have an opportunity but manufacturing by nature is is uh, slow to change so how has 
um, a COVID remote working uh, scenario have changed uh, all the things that we've just talked about? Mm -hmm. It's hard to, I mean, we use Zoom and Zoom, uh, you know, is a great tool when it works appropriately. <laughs> right. Uh, no, no slur intended, Mr. Zoom, but there right. are those days. And uh, how is you say to be able to communicate with your employees uh, when when COVID started? Uh, within days, we were all operating out, out of our homes. Uh, we had scanners and printers and all that stuff delivered to people at home, so they were able to work. Uh, and then once a month we would have, uh, our building is a, it's a four-story building and they're on stilts and underneath the building is a, a garage parking lot. And once a month we would have everybody come to work at 10 o'clock in the morning and we would have coffee and donuts in the parking lot, sitting in beach chairs and so on and so forth, just to be able to talk. Right. Not necessarily talk about business, but talk about how you doing, how's the family? Right. Oh, your your son is not well, you know, and that was appreciated until the temperature got to about 25 degrees. And right. <laughs> we're in New Jersey. And right. so we wound up stopping that, which we're probably about to start uh, next month. But you're right, we, you have to take into account uh, employees and their families. And uh, our company, All Metals and Forge Group, we've got uh, people that have been here. Tim, how, how long are you here? 27 years? 27. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple of 25s, a couple of 26, a couple of 15s. So that's a good sign that basically we're doing okay in that department. Mm -hmm. But a lot of companies don't. Right. Yeah. Building that community, I think, is important. Um, and, you know, some of these things that, that companies are doing and, and services they're offering, especially for young people. I mean, it, people are like, man, that, that really is expensive. Well, it, it's actually cheaper than what you're doing now, which is, you know, having to hire and, and you know, have people leave and turn over and those things. Oh, yeah. But it, it, you know, the, the working from home thing, um, you know, we, we still haven't figured out how to, how to manufacture from people's uh, living rooms yet. Um, so, so a lot of those folks, you know, and my clients, I mean, they never stopped, you know, they, you know, some of them maybe stopped for a week or two or, or whatever, but, uh, you know, the people on the floor had to be there to make the products. So they figured out how to make it through that. Um, and, and and be successful and um but yeah a lot of the office positions that okay yeah we could technically if you're a project manager or whatever you could technically do this from your house and they a lot of a lot of corporate offices evolved to, to handle that um and um and some of them found new ways to work and hey, this works great and we're going to stay this way and others fought it tooth and nail and made it miserable for everybody <laughs> and uh, and came back as soon as they possibly could. But, you know, that that whole event caused 
employees to rethink their priorities and what they were doing. And, um, and it's just caused a lot of, a lot of movement. One thing that uh, I discovered that, and now we're, it's two years that we've been operating uh, remotely, um, or most of us are remote. I come to work every day, but that's because no one else is here. Um, the, the point is that um, the thing that I found is that the efficiency level, which most employers are afraid of, people working from home, oh, they're, they're going to take naps, they're going to go for bike rides, they're going to go to the pool and the gym and so on. I have found that everyone in our company has been operating more efficiently, putting in more hours and being more collaborative within our Zoom meetings and so on. So we, I, I was one of those that was concerned. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out fine to the point that I'm not sure they're ever coming back. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's, a lot of companies have experienced that. Um, I think the challenge there becomes if you're going to onboard somebody to that team, how do, how do they get, a, how do they get acclimated to the culture of the company? Yeah, that's and, the problem. And, 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 uh, I mean, there's companies obviously uh, that have done it. I mean, I, I, I mean, a lot of it companies, you know, have done it and they're not coming back. And, um, but, but there are, and then there's just a lot of jobs where you got to be there to collaborate because everything is fast paced and um, and you, you need to be in the same room brainstorming and uh, real time information. Um, so so it is interesting. Um, and then you see you see cases where. People don't understand why we're having to go back and they're having to go back and then, you know. Uh, so it. It will be interesting. There, there are a lot more people looking for that type of work now that they've had a taste of it. Mm -hmm. And so there are people leaving companies that are mandating we come back to, to find that remote work because of the freedom that it produces. And I mean, I think putting that, I would say there's always bad apples, you know, that, that, that may, uh, you know, spoil the spoil the bunch, so to speak. But for the most part, when you when you put it on employees to, you know, like this, like you're trusting them to go out, manage their time um, that, like you said, you've seen, you know, efficiency improvement and they're actually working longer because they can work when they want to. Right. And, and, you know, there's there's large manufacturing companies that went to unlimited vacation days and have actually seen to drop in the use of vacation so where, was, where were we going <laughs> yeah <laughs> right well ben i wish we had more time for this subject yeah. uh, we really appreciate you presenting better than found to our audience and to remind everybody it's btfsearch.com if you want to uh, get in touch with ben and you've got a candidate need i think it's a smart move Ben, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you so much, uh, Tim and Lou. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You as well. For those of you who are searching around the web for btfsearch.com, also come to 
jacketmediaco.com and check out any of our podcasts, including this one. And thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.